Julian Elderman will be retiring. Is my question is to you, Thad? Do you think uh Hall of Fame career? Um, people say no, of course, no. 100% no for that, too. I know, like, I can say all the accolades, like, he had no scholarships coming out of high school, mm-hmm. played quarterback at Kent State, no combine invite, uh, seventh round draft pick, ended up with uh. 620 catches in uh, over six, 6,800 yards in 11 years. So that's solid. You know, Super Bowl MVP, three rings. So a solid career, but I'm not going that far. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! They win! Don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to send it for you real quick. L-O-B. Listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. Lewis. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! This is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! What was your mindset when you stepped in the batter's box? Go yard. I mean, <laughs> I'm a pitcher. Why not swing as hard as I can? I got nothing to lose. It's nothing to be man above. Don't put you in situations that you can't handle. Instead of saying, why me? They're saying this is what he want me to do. And, uh, Cleveland, this is for you. The way we approach the game is the same way we approach life. You do the right thing. You make the right play. Make the right play. And in life, it's the same thing. What do you feel in your heart is the right thing to do? And you do that. You know, it seems so simple, but sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to do. And, um, uh, I think it's just that. Welcome to what the game me to me. What's going on? What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of What the Game Means to Me. I'm your host, of course, Joanne Brown. Got my calls with again, Daddy Bell. How you doing today, man? What's good? What's good? Monday, man. Time to start the uh, week off right and talk some sports. So let's get to it. You're right. You're right. Yes, sir. It's Monday. Um, you know, it's been a long day, but definitely glad to wind down and um, you know, be able to talk some sports with you. Been a lot of uh, you know, sports news that's happened over the last week or so. Um, and you know, gotta cover it. But first off, first things first, before we even get into the show, um, definitely want to pay our respects to you know the late and great DMX. Um, definitely a legend, icon. Um, hip-hop culture, just worldwide in general, even in the sports world, he touched a lot of people as well. So definitely wanted to make sure we, we pay our respects to him. Accolades, I can you know, list them on and on the whole show. You know, two number one albums in the same year. Um, it was a big on the uh, you know big screen as well. Did a lot of movies. One of my favorite probably. Everyone likes Belly, but I think I like Cradle to the Grave a lot. Um, and Rough Riders too. You know, everyone loves the song, you know, spitting like everything, just everything that he's done, you know, for you know, hip hop community, even people that he touched, um, you know, that may not, he may not know that he did, but he just overall just had a great impact on everybody's lives. Shout out to DMX. He impacted a lot of people, got a lot of people through a lot of hard times. It's just tough to see people go like that to something that could have been controlled in a way. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just tough, but. Uh, some of his songs I listened to, No Justice, How's It Going, and especially Party Up. Party Up got me ready mm-hmm. for a couple of football games. I could say that. Got me hyped <laughs> a little bit. You know, shout out to DMX and rest in peace. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, again, yeah, Rick, you just said the main thing is it's something that could have been prevented, but I know he had dealt with it pretty much you know, all his life. He, uh, you know, in a lot of interviews, we always talk about had a, having an abusive mother, um, you know, just the, the conditions he grew up in and, you know, the, kind of just how it shaped him in general. 
but you know, all in all, he, he prevailed. You know, made made a great life for himself. He was he's still young. I didn't even realized he was only fifty years old. Um, you know, did great work with Ja Rule. Obviously, um, Jay Z, just everything that he, that he did, he stood for. Um, definitely will be missed. But blessed that he even you know left the impact on this earth and left us with something that we can all remember him by. But definitely, uh, rest in peace, DMX. Praying for his family and everyone, all loved ones, and everyone else that was affected by you know, this tragic life. Next thing we're gonna move on to, of course, we want to. Uh, Hit on something. It's been about a week. We've been able to digest it. Um, national championship game was last Monday. Of course, we know the Baylor Bears took home the uh, took home the trophy against Zags. Um, so, what did you think? Just initial reactions, first thoughts of you know just watching the game in general. I know both of us are pretty happy because you know our uh, our guy Adam Flagler um, got him a got him a ring. I'm a national championship. Been able to see him smile on social media pretty much all week. But uh, what was your initial reaction just watching the game? Man, I'm sh- I was shocked. Like. I said I picked Baylor in my bracket, so I feel good about that. This is the first time I ever got the national champ right, but I expected <laughs> them to win the game. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I wasn't going to be surprised if they won, but, like, mm-hmm. the dominating win from start to finish. Like, yeah. Zaga never had a shot. Uh, those guards, man, they were applying pressure on offense and defense. Jesus. Like, I didn't know. I know Baylor was a good defensive team, but, like, this, like, Timmy was pretty much a non-factor, and on defense he got exposed, but – uh. The mm-hmm. big three for Baylor combined for 56 points, which is always good. Um, the trio of T, Mitchell, and Butler, and uh, Flag coming off the bench had 13 points. So that's 69 right there. So they yeah. those four guys, th- their guards, which carried them all year, carried them in the biggest game of the season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, shout out to Baylor, the pretty much perfect season. And we kept talking about this before the uh, national championship. This was the game we were looking forward to, the COVID ruin back in November. So yeah. the fact that we got it, but I just – I was I would have liked to see the better game, the fan in me, but – I'm glad, like you said, I'm glad Flag got him a ring and Baylor, mm-hmm. uh, the best team won. It wasn't even close. Like, I don't think anybody came out of this game thinking, uh, who's the, who was the better team? Like, I think if they mm-hmm. played four, if they played five times, Baylor would. So, yeah. Uh, shout out to Baylor and shout out to the coach on getting his first national title. That's like the definition of getting in and out the mud because he had been there since 2000. Yeah. He built that program from the ground up and finally got him a ring. So shout out to him. Most definitely, most definitely. And uh, again, another like you pretty much said it, it was just the dominating fashion. Um, the way they started out the game, I, I can't remember the numbers, but I know they hit at least I think four or five threes in a row. Yeah, they um, hit 10 overall, but yeah. But in the beginning of the game, like that that quick spark, like they 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 just came to play. Like I think on Twitter somebody was like, This Baylor team is the most hooping hoopingest hooping team I've ever seen in my life. And they just, they were, they were everywhere. Like you said, the guards are just scrappy. Um, we already know Mitchell, he, he, defensive player of the year. He was pretty much yeah. in subs. He was in anybody that had the ball. Like he, he just made an immediate impact. Like everybody was just, just, I don't know, just glued, glued to their guy. And just the rotation um, after that as well. I know I've seen it on Twitter. Somebody tweeted out, uh, I think it was, it was one, yeah, Butler. Yeah, it was either Butler or T, one of the two, um, like made this, I mean, Stound and play like he saved the ball. It wasn't able oh, to get was to his guy. Yeah, 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 and then the coach threw him back in. And he ran all the way over to the other side of the court to challenge the uh, the shot, and they missed it and got the rebound. Just like hustle plays like that, just re- was ridiculous to see. And they they just had more energy, came out you know just more hungry than the um the Zags. But like you said, if it was like a four game series or five game series, I think the Zags definitely would win it. Not Zags, sorry, the Bailey would definitely win. You know, three out of the five games they. They just tenacious. They like I said they can do it on both ends of the floor. And like we we said in our uh, show before the national championship, um, it, it's both teams can put up points on the board. But you know Baylor just had to me they just had the athletes. They play defense. They're in your face. They play hard nose. And even when they was in foul trouble, their bigs, which they were in foul trouble most of the game, they went small. 
and they took advantage a little bit inside. Um, but overall, I didn't hurt them too much because I don't think the game ever got within like eight, ten points. You know, besides the first what two, three minutes of the game. So overall, it was like you just said, probably wanted to see a more competitive game. Um, but all in all, it was just you know it was incredible to watch just how passionate they came out playing and you know how hungry they were and you know like we just said congrats to the coach for after you know 20 almost 20 years you know getting the first national championship um under his belt and then also our guy flag getting one as well so it's really been it's been cool to see over like i said over the week him just you know on social media riding around with the trophy in his lap you know being there we seeing it on tv but also on his yeah yeah. just the moment it's just cool you know in, in, in general just to see but uh yeah, man. Shout out to the Baylor Bears. Hopefully they're able to repeat next year. Um, you know, we know a few of the one few of the guys, especially Mitchell's going to the draft, but uh definitely have a good program cooking up over there. And uh, I know they're gonna be around for a long time to come. Next thing, sticking in basketball, but just a just a different wave of basketball. Wanted to hit on, of course, the uh just the just the Paul Pierce antics, everything that was going on. Um his IG live. Uh I personally didn't get to see the IG live. I don't follow him on any social platforms at all because he's a Celtic. But um, you know, did get to see a few clippings on Twitter. So, uh, what, what did you think when, if you have seen it, what did you think when you saw it? And do you think that he was going to get fired over it? Do you agree with him being fired over it? Just everything you know that's surrounding it. I did see it. I woke up to it, I think, or I was around for it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for me, it's okay that like he does that because it's 2020, uh, a good amount of people do that, even people that work in high corporations like that. But mm-hmm. for him to broadcast it like that on Instagram live wasn't probably the best idea because Matt Barnes works for ESPN and mm-hmm. they know what he does. So, but he doesn't mm-hmm. broadcast it like that. Like he might do it on his podcast, but he was on his Instagram live and they knew a person like Paul Pierce, it was going to get out. So it was just a bad look. And I, yeah. I'm not, I'm 50 50 on the firing, but I had a feeling that it was gonna, gonna happen. Just the way it got blown out of proportion and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't, he was, he lives in Cali, so it's legal out there, but it's just the fact that he was broadcasting it like that on his Instagram live, where I don't know how many people follow him, but he might have. He, I know he's not the most popular social media personality, but I mm-hmm. say he probably has close to a million followers. So to broadcast it like that wasn't that part, yeah, but not the, best, not the best look. Yeah. And I saw it coming. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it, the main thing was, you know, just broadcasting because if he didn't broadcast it, we probably wouldn't even be having this discussion. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, like you just said, there's other guys in his circle that work for ESPN or for these other, you know, big networks, Fox, whatever case may be, that probably do the same exact things. But like you just said, just don't yeah. broadcast it. I don't know. It was, I don't know if it was something. My thing was, I don't know if it was something I was expecting from Paul Pierce in general. Like, yeah. it makes sense when you see it because I think people were saying, you know, he has a wife, he has, you know, kids and everything at home. But I don't know. It just like, when it happened, I'm like, yeah, I can see him doing that. But at the same time, I wasn't expecting it to happen and everything to go down the way it did. But And then he had it, females in the background. I mean, like, people have good times like this because, you know, you saw the liquor, too. So, you know, when people mm-hmm. defend themselves, he was getting a cut during the live. So he was having <laughs> this was a good Saturday for him. Yeah, it was so an overall good Saturday. Yeah, I think I think the uh, the brown for him took over, and then that's when he pulled out. So, <laughs> no, I don't, don't know his yeah. limits. Yeah, that's not something he – that's not his scene. So. yeah. Well, I say definitely so that Brown definitely probably did take over. But um the, the other thing I wanted to kind of ask was and so we know he got fired, but I know did you see um I guess like the postings and everything, uh him saying like even when I lose, I'm still winning. Mm-hmm. Um and then I think also uh I don't know what something about it, him getting paid a quarter of a million to host the uh, yeah, females, some, yeah. Yeah, some type of a, a adult 
um, adult website, whatever the case may be. But do you think he takes it? Do you think that's the opportunity he looks at? Or what do you think is the, ne the next steps for Paul Pierce in his uh, maybe broadcasting career? I don't know, man. Do you think that's kind of desperate doing that? I mean, that does look a little desperate. I don't think he needs to go to that extreme. Yeah, I think like, it was just something go, else playing that popped up. Yeah. He could go there later on in his career if he can't find anything else. But for now, he's still a little you know, popular enough to where. Mm -hmm. To where, he, yeah, where. exactly. He, he can land on his feet and get something else. I think people are like um, speculating he might go to Barstool. I know a lot of people feel indifferent about that. I don't really look at their stuff either. Um, I'm not too fond of some of the people that you know, found it and their thoughts and ideas. But, um, I think that's they say that's the one spot he can go to because you know their restrictions are a little less and he can probably do the same things he was doing on this live, doing whatever he does with them. So I mean that that might be a thing, but all in all, like you said, he, a lot of people were saying he didn't even really care too too much about this NBA countdown job and just working for ESPN anyway. Like the things that he was doing behind the scenes, just it more so like he was just kind of there, and if, if he got let go, it's whatever. I don't know if this is a uh, hopefully it is nothing deeper than that. Like, you know, any, any mental issues, mental problems, hopefully it's just, you know, he was having fun. He slipped up and, you know, he'll learn for learn better for next time. So I don't, I don't know, but all in all, it was just you know, pretty funny to see when I woke up and saw why he was trending. I had no clue why I thought he may have said something dumb, something else dumb maybe about LeBron or whatever the case may be. You know, <laughs> to see it was this, it was a uh, definitely shocking, but also saw it coming. So next thing kind of wanted to hit on too um was uh the nba top 25 under 25 instead of keeping it in basketball related um i was a guy steven here steven a smith here he don't really have he didn't really have anything to do with it because i saw a little clip um that he was upset he said whoever you know had anything to do with this to be fired needs to be drug tested whatever the case may be he just wasn't in agreement with the with the list and i know some of the names are cut off but at one is luca two is zion three is Lamelo, four is uh mitchell Five, Jason Tatum, six, De'Aaron De Fox, seven, Ben Simmons, and eight, Devin Booker. Um, a lot of people were kind of up in arms. Trey Young at 16, they didn't really like that. Um, they didn't like LaMelo being so high. I think RJ might have been left off the top 25. Mm -hmm. um, I think Bam is like nine or 10. Um, so overall, what was, what was just your thoughts when you first seen the, you know, just the rankings be put out and, like, did you agree with that, I guess, or, you know, do you feel some people, um, some people, I guess, deserve their positions or – some probably should be somewhere else. No, I'm pretty much with everybody else. I don't know who agreed with this list, but I, I didn't like the list at all. Like, you know, it's it's clear that I'm more of a football guy than a basketball guy, but I watch basketball a good bit and have a good knowledge of the game. Mm -hmm. and the list still, like when I first saw it, I'm like, first thing that stood out probably, which stood out to everybody else was LaMelo. Like, so what is going on? So, you know, I kind of, <laughs> I looked into it a little bit and I actually made my own list. So I'm just going to give you my own, my list. Mm -hmm. I didn't agree with the list. Uh, and, you know, everybody can feel free to say what they want, but this is my list. Uh, mm -hmm. I have Luca. I'm keeping Luca at one. Yeah. Zion, I'm keeping him at two. I'm going to go uh, Jason Tatum, three. Donovan Mitchell, four. Uh, Devin Booker, five. Trey Young, six, because he's mm -hmm. having a great season in Atlanta's the fourth seed. I don't like the Hawks. Devin, so. <laughs> yeah, put Fox. that in there. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox is number seven. Uh, Brandon Ingram, number eight. Number nine is Ben Simmons, and I have ten. Uh, bam. So I took, I left Shy out. He would be 11 for me. Mm. Uh, and I took Camelo out. That's my list right now. That's a, I'm glad. That's a solid list. And, and I guess just to be quick, I'll plug in Steven if he is watching it all. Steven actually um, from the Breaking the Game, one of the guys on Off the Ball Network, uh, in response to their top 25, made his own top 25. And I, I liked it a lot. And I keep telling him that because he included three Hawks um, 
in his top 25 rankings. He didn't he said he didn't do it on purpose, of course, but I agree wholeheartedly. Um and kind of in line with his, I liked his top 25 a lot. Um, you know, he's not, you know, similar, I guess similar to yours. Um, he, some of the uh, I think top 25 he had, uh, I think Bam was a little higher than he was in ESPN's. Um, he included RJ in his, like I said, yeah, John Collins, I think at like 20. Um, and uh DeAndre Hunter at 21 um, and also Trey Young a little bit higher. I think he was maybe seven or eight. So definitely um, if you want to check out, you know, smaller but up and coming content guys that, you know, actually know what they're talking about when it comes to rankings and basketball, definitely check out Steven's top 25 on off the ball network.com. But yeah, I was a little, you know, just confused by it as well. Just Lamella being so high. I don't know what they ranked or based their rankings off of. I know they said potential, um, yeah. but you know, Lamelo has played what 30 35 games maybe if that because i know he, he got he hurt his wrist and has been sitting out uh i know you know i guess what what it seems to me like is a lot of it with him being at three is just like that that immediate satisfaction like it was so much it's been so much hype around him since he was in ninth grade at chino hills so to see him and then like you know when the draft came a lot of people was like you know does his play style fit in the league will he be able to you know transition you know fluently and be able to play in the league and to see that he was able to do so so well and so quickly um and you know i guess be one of the top guys in, in the class um, a lot of people probably would have him as rookie of the year if he was able to continue to play it was probably why just that instant gratification and seeing like oh he's he's really a hooper he's a baller like and i guess you know his height his you know has height his athleticism and his you know his tools he's a great passer um he showed he can shoot the ball pretty well as well within his first few games I guess that's why they put him so high because the potential is there and he's young and he was able to make an impact an impact instantly. I don't know, but I still it wasn't in agreement with it. There's so many other guys that you're still ranking off potential, but you also got to think of their body of work that they've done so yeah. far. Like you can't put a you can't put a, a somebody that's been in the league for 20, 30 games ahead of you know Jason Tatum, a guy that's you know led his team to the playoffs the last few years. I know they haven't had the greatest season this year, but you know he's a young guy producing and like said top talent on this team the guy on his team even with a second guy that could be a guy on his team Jalen brown which is one person i just remembered um steven yeah, putting his, his top 10 i will as well i think he put in like six or seven so um like he said ben simmons um also another talent though that you know, i guess with him is the knock on him is the shooting that don't really matter too much. You, you got to look at it. Like, basketball just isn't shooting he affects the game in so many other ways like he's a 610 point guard he can guard positions damn near one through five um he's a great passer and he's probably gonna be a defensive player of the year this year so just like stuff like that you gotta look at it as, as a whole um you said putting Lamelo so high is just r- ridiculous in my opinion yeah i was gonna oh. i'm gonna just chime in real quick yeah. i was gonna say I, I agree with you said he just needs like in the future i could see him being on this list in the top 10 for sure mm-hmm. If he keeps balling, but he needs a larger sample size. Yeah, just yeah. that's just pretty much what it is. And it's like, no hate to him because he he does have the tools and everything in order to be a great great player, um, potential top, you know, definitely top ten, or whatever, under twenty five. But just the how soon and the immediate, you know, input in, into the number three spot, <laughs> like that's that's just a little wild in my opinion. Yeah. And as you can see by Very Stephen well. A's face, uh, he yeah, he went off. He went yeah. Off. This is one of the times where I feel like he had he could have gone. Yeah, I was say it made sense for him too. I was hoping he, you know, just because he works for the network, he wasn't just going to be in agreement just because. But you know, it, it, you know, I guess it's times when he speaks up and he speaks his mind, and it actually said makes sense. And I'm glad he did so here (laughs) because it it just just something that shouldn't fly under the radar. (laughs) Um, Switching over a little bit, had it. 
throw in a, I don't want to call him an old head, but another old head that was kind of wilding out this week with Paul Pierce, Brandon Marshall, him and Ocho Cinco on their podcast, I Am an Athlete. The main part that everybody wanted to hit on, everybody was talking about was the first part, of course, with him talking about the NBA salaries and mm. NFL salaries, you know, the difference in them and the NBA salaries not being guaranteed. First things first, everybody knows NBA salaries are are guaranteed and the top four guys, like he was saying, don't just get you know, their money. If they get cut, they just you know, bounce or whatever the case may be. So I guess what was your thoughts? The rest of the episodes it, it, that I've got to catch and the rest of this clip that I've got to catch is actually pretty good. It got you know more so serious. They start talking about George Floyd and you know the NFL having to speak up and you know the NBA just doing little certain things here and there to where they try to mask it and seem like they're you know in agreement with black people really aren't. Um, say, but the rest of it is pretty good. But just overall, the, that first clip, um, I guess about the NBA contracts and everything. What what do you first think about it? When you- what the bottom says loud and wrong. Uh, <laughs> he was. I don't know where he got that info from, but he yeah, get it from them. Uh, like when I listened to it live, I was like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" And he was like, "All the people in the NBA, the, all the bench players included, their money's guaranteed. Yeah, too, the guys yeah. in the NFL, especially if they're not starters, a lot of that is incentives. So." Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? Buddy Hill doesn't even start for the Kings. He makes $24 million. Yeah. Name one player in the NFL that makes $24 million that doesn't start for one. Yeah. And there's a lot, there's not a lot of position groups that make over 20. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. Yeah. I was say just even, uh, you know, our Hawks newly acquired again, Lou Williams, he quoted and was like, yeah, I he like, I was like, yeah, nah. He was like, nah, buddy. He's like, I'm with your brother, but not <laughs> like basically our contracts are game. That, that was, you know, so that was just funny for him to, you know, it's just funny overall when you be seeing people so passionate and be he's so wrong. Passionate. Yeah, like, be so passionate and be like, no, like, like trying to drill into like, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Like, this, this, I seen it. I read it. I watched it. Like, where do you see, watch it, and read it at? Because it ain't nowhere to be found. Because the truth is, NBA contracts are guaranteed. Like you said the last man on the bench could have a. Five five hundred thousand dollar contract, whatever the case may be, that's all guaranteed money. He can be cut tomorrow, and he's gonna take home that bag. So I don't know where he got that information from, but you know, it's just overall funny to see when people are so mad and upset, but be so wrong, and then later gotta realize, like, kind of like take it back, or whatever, and apologize. Sorry, Brandon Marshall. I understood. I guess the point that you were trying to get across later on in the segment, but you know, all in all, NFL and NBA contracts are named. So, oh my, I don't know why I fully paid, but we're gonna go on, hit off to the next subject. Still gonna keep it uh, NFL NFL talk, um, but the newest uh, newest piece of information that we've gotten today, I think about an hour hour and a half ago, is that Julian Elderman will be retiring. His contract was terminated because of a failed physical, but everybody speculating is because he was going to retire. My question is to you, Thad, because you know we know that New England. Or Tampa Bay has now become the new New England in a sense with Tom Brady and Gronk going down there last year. Um, and they typically do a lot of recruiting of their, their guys. Do you think Julian Edelman retires or do you think he ends up, whether it's in you know before the season starts, next week, next hour, or in the middle of the season, Julian Edelman uh, joins the Tampa Bay Bucks? No chance. 100%. Uh, it's 100% guaranteed that he's done. I say there's no way. They don't need the Bucks don't need him anyway. And he's you know, his body's kind of like breaking down. Yeah. I think he knows in it, but he had a good career. You yeah. think uh Hall of Fame career? Um, people no, say no, no. 100% no for that, too. I know, like, I can say all the accolades. Like, he had no scholarships coming out of high school, mm-hmm. played quarterback at Kent State, no combine invite, uh, seventh round draft pick, ended up with uh, 620 catches and uh, over six, 6,800 yards. 
in 11 years. So that's solid, you know, Super Bowl MVP, three rings. So a solid career, but I'm not going that far. I know some people have him there. I think even Deion Sanders said that before he's a Hall of Fame, you know, because some of the big plays he made, especially against the Falcons. Uh, yeah. But no, for me. He, oh, man. I know that's I know that's controversial, and I know some of the Patriots fans will come at my neck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Right. Oh, no. man. Why, but why, why though? What, what man do you think? A Hall of Famer is one of those, I don't know, I feel like Tom Brady kind of, you know, him being with the Patriots, him. he was with any, you know, he would have some good production, but nobody would consider him a Hall of Famer if he didn't play for the Patriots. He didn't catch this ride of time. So you think he he's like he's like a Wes Welker pretty much, like Tom yeah, made him. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think they would. You know, Amendola, when he left, he had a mm-hmm. little success with the pass. When he left, though, he didn't mm-hmm. really do much. Chris Hogan, same for him. Amendola, I think he's a little better than them, but I think if he played for any other friend, they would not consider him. I just don't. He's not one of those once in a lifetime type guy. That's what I consider like a Hall of Fame guy, like, you know, talent wise and stuff. Mm-hmm. A guy you won't see, you know, you might see once every 10 years come out in the draft. He's not one of those guys. There's a guy like him that comes out every year. You know, what if, what if Scotty Miller played with uh, the Pats back in the 2000s like that and mm-hmm. ended up getting three rings? And he's a faster, more explosive guy. So what if he got more targets, more yards, and he might be in the same boat? So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just saying basically another guy could have did the same thing and it's more mm-hmm. time. You know, for me. I guess I, I see the mirrors in that. I don't know. I guess but he's it, a tough it, guy, though. Shout out, you know, yeah. shout out to him. He Every guy that, you know, like, doubted themselves at one time, you could look at him. He Like he had every reason to doubt himself. He kept going. Pushed through, pushed through mm-hmm. He's the fact that he's getting considered for <laughs> the considerment is an accomplishment. Yeah, I, I see. I feel that. I I don't know. Not, obviously, not first ballot. May not even second ballot. I think at some point, I feel like it may happen just because I don't know. Maybe just the storyline, like you said. I can understand. Like there has been guys that have played with Tom, and it's kind of like he made them. And when they go somewhere else, it's not really success. Like obviously, with him, we're not going to get to see that if this retirement thing is true. Which I just got a notification and. Julian Edelman's confirming it's true, but you know he pretty much played. He played all his years in Foxborough with Tom. Um, besides what this last year with uh, Cam, you know he didn't really played then because he'd been he was in and out and pretty much hurt the entire year. But you know, like you just said, three Super Bowls, you know, seventh round quarterback D three to you know starting receiver, everything that he done. I don't know his body of work. I guess the storyline more so may get him into the Hall of Fame than maybe the numbers do. Even though his numbers, you know, aren't terrible either, you know, has had had a lot of good years. I think you know, a few thousand yards as well, like I said, and Super Bowl wins. But you know, I can understand not giving him that consideration. But I think at some, I think I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think he slides in there some way somehow, just based off the storyline and who he played with, of course. So see. I, I definitely see both sides of it, and I mean. If the, like I said, he, he confirmed it. If they are true, that's cool. But, you know, guys do this all – not guys do this all the time. But Patriot guys seem to do this. At least one Gronk did it. So, I mean, who knows what, what can happen. I'm not going to rule it out. But I think it, it's a possibility, you know, in the midst of the year. You know, maybe they have an injury, something happens. Or they lose somebody, they have to cut somebody, whatever the case is a possibility. If he keeps his you know, body right, Tom Brady may be giving him a call and they may run it back down. To keep it on the NFL track, of course, wanted to talk about this. It was something that leaked – that I guess people didn't want or Drew Locke didn't want people to know about, but he has been receiving, you know, uh, there's, I guess, advice and mentorship throughout the off season from Peyton Manning on reading defenses, you know, just the mental aspect of the football of, of the game. Um, as a quarterback that of course wanted to ask you, what what do you think about this? Do you think it's going to help at all? And I guess what, you know, 
Now, translating to my next question, mainly about the Broncos and what we think they're going to do in the draft. But do you think, you know, Peyton Manning mentoring him, um, if this is the first season that this is happening, is going to help at all coming in, going into next year? And do you think it kind of affects the way the Broncos are thinking about drafting? Okay. No, uh, you know, I think, I think it will help because he's, you know, regressed. (laughs) His first season, he was seven, uh, seven touchdowns and three interceptions with 64% completion. And then the next year, this past year, he was uh, 15 touchdowns and 15 picks with 57%. So that's a big drop. Um, His worth ethic needs to get a little better. And, you know, there's nobody better to work with besides Peyton. He's one of those hardest workers, probably the game. Now, I wouldn't say the game has ever seen that, that I know. From what mm-hmm. I've heard, like the story, the documentaries and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I think he'll help with his development a little bit. But I don't think, you know, the Broncos are buying that because maybe they this is, <laughs> you know, this is a nice little quarterback draft. And if Peyton yeah. Self doesn't work next year, they're looking for a quarterback in next year's draft. It's not the best. But there's always a guy that comes out of nowhere. So you never know. And they might have a low pick. But hopefully he can help. Um, I think it might be a little too late. But I don't know, you know. The Broncos have a lot of needs, so they could afford to. They, I think, they can afford to give them another year and uh, build around. Not even on the offensive side, maybe going all line, but on the defense side of the ball, they need maybe some corners and uh, maybe some uh, pass covering linebacker. They're weak in those spots. Besides the Russians with Chubb and uh, Von Miller, they could go other areas. And I think if they give Drew Locke another shot, I believe in him. You know, he's a, a 2015 guy, so coming mm-hmm. up in high school, I kind of. I heard about him, so I'm rooting for him. And I think the stuff I've heard with worth ethic can be improved. I think he just, you know, he can't be too complacent. You know, he started off pretty decent his first year. I think they went like four and two in his sixth start. So mm-hmm. you just got to, you know, focus up because the league's going to, the league will humble you quick. So it's time for yeah. him to lock. And I think he can get the job with Peyton. Yeah. You say he still is young. For me, I guess, and we talked about in the NFL, uh, NFL mock draft that we did the other day. But I don't know. It's just like they've been, of course, they've been looking for a quarterback ever since Peyton retired, you know. I think they've had the most starting quarterbacks other than maybe the Browns before they got Baker Mayfield. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It just seemed like they had found somebody in Drew Locke, but it's like they're kind of giving up on him a little too soon. But like you said, it's just the opportunity. I guess this this year's quarterback draft class is supposed to be pretty deep and pretty heavy and, you know, has a lot of talent. And if they have the possibility to train up and get one, I guess they'll do that. But, you know, like you just said, you kind of already gave out his stats. But, you know, in, in the two years they played, mo- most of his starting games, obviously, uh, last year. But, I don't know, f- career-wise, he's just he's under 60% completion, 23 to 18. I don't know. I can see why they would you know, look to move on. But I just you – know, I don't know. Like, they, I think they just – I think he needs maybe just another year. Give him one more year. But I guess they don't mind, I guess, drafting a quarterback, having him sit behind them and deciding whether they what they want to do with him next year. You know, to me, I feel like that's a lot of money to pay a quarterback. Say they draft, come all the way up to four and try to draft Trey Lance or Justin Fields or whoever that, you know, is um, still available then. But I don't know. I think he has talent. I've seen it. And maybe just because our, our Falcons defense is so terrible. But he led a lot of comeback, a decent amount of comeback games last year. They may not have able to been able to, you know, complete it um, all the time. But, you know, he had the talent to, you know, bring him back in, in certain games where it looks like they were down and out. Maybe he's just maybe the Peyton Manning coaching will help. Maybe they maybe need to bring him in on the sideline throughout the games, throughout practice all the time. I don't know if they just need to have him right there by his side, like basically his quarterback coach. Maybe some way, somehow that'll help and work. But I don't know. I was just hoping, like you said, they found a guy that, you know, can that is the franchise of the next quarterback at least. But it just seems like they, they 
they're on that Browns train where it's about to be another quarterback each and every year or every two years. I don't know. Like you just said, 2015 guy, good luck to him. Hopefully he is able to turn around and get it right. And they're not looking to draft the quarterback and they'll address their defensive needs. But one more thing to add though, uh, that's part of the reason John uh, Elway stepped down because he kept missing on quarterbacks, like from that GM mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess it's kind of hard because, you know, Michael Jordan is not the best GM either. So <laughs> not, not even trying to be funny, like evaluating mm-hmm. talent at that position. Part it's of tough, yeah. So when you were so great at the sport, mm-hmm. I can I definitely see that. It makes sense. That's a good comparison too. So I don't know. Maybe maybe there's other guys that's in the organization now that that have their eyes on certain talent and are going to be able to draft draft well. I just hope you know it's just we don't see a continuous repeated pattern every two years. We're seeing a different quarterback in Denver, but yeah, you know, that's not the best. That's not the best look and not the best recipe for success either. You ain't gonna be winning Super Bowls too too often, but. Good luck. Um, and then another last thing that one hit on the NFL, you know, since last week or two weeks ago when San Francisco traded up to get the third pick from Dolphins. And of course, the Dolphins traded back up top six picks uh, to get number six from the Eagles. Everybody's pretty much slotted. One, two, three is going to be quarterback. So number four pick my Atlanta Falcons is, is pretty it's just a lot swirling around it. We can send a direction, send the direction of the draft a certain way. Um, we may be able to trade out of it. You know, everybody just kind of looking at us and seeing what we're going to do, what, you know, what, what's going to happen with that number four pick. So before I get my thoughts on it all, Dad, what do you think the Atlanta Falcons should be doing with the fourth pick? Now that we kind of know that one, two, three is going to be quarterback. Do you think they go quarterback, best available, trade out? What do you think? You know, if, if uh, me, Daddy is Bell, if I was the GM of the Falcons, I would do these two things. No, I would not go get a quarterback. I would either drive Kyle Pitts, or trade back a couple spots, like no further than 10, mm-hmm. and do a trade with somebody where they get uh, a young, maybe a young little defensive player that hasn't, you know, evolved yet that they maybe believe in, they watch some tape on, so they can move back and then move back and get one of those corners or if Michael uh, Michael Parsons is still there. But I would go, if you don't get Kyle Pitts, I would trade back, you know, for, I don't know what a team would give to trade back, like only five spots. I know you have to give up a lot, which is crazy. Yeah only five spots uh potentially you know throw a player in there a defensive player to help out and then go get a cor- another corner because how are y'all at that position i know y'all weak at safety too but it's a reach to draft the safety that high so yeah. i would you know kyle pitts or trade back with the team and get a defensive player in return and then draft another uh young secondary player or edge rusher because what did you guys do with dante fowler I mean, I think they just restructured his contract to where he took less money, I think. Okay, but, well, if he's still on the team, you know, put somebody on the other side of him with Grady Jared, and I don't know your other interior, but the linebacker spot, y'all pretty decent. You got speed there, but uh, the back end. Yeah, back end needs a lot of help. Uh, I, and that's my thing. I just don't know if there's – I mean, there's guys in the draft that can definitely come in and help, but no one that we're drafting at the four spot to do that. So my whole thing yeah. is, like I said, it's the same thing that you just said. It's either Kyle Pitts or, or you, know, you know, trade back. And it's going to have to be, I don't know. Like, I've seen a lot of mocks to where it's like, we're like, people are like saying, we, if we do trade, I don't know if either with Denver or somebody around like seven, eight, nine spot that, you know, like to where I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, that seems like a decent return for just five spots moving. But people are like, now nah, we need an extra first or they need an extra uh, second or something. Like, I think it's like an extra, a second, a third a fifth and then like a first round next year and then something else too um just for that that four spot so i was like all right i mean it all works for me i, I don't care like I, the more draft picks we can get the merrier i think we got nine or ten i don't remember how many because they, they changed it because of the 
conditional draft picks because I guess some of our guys got signed or whatever the case may be. So it's somewhere between nine and 11 draft picks. All in all, like, you know, everyone doesn't always hit on nine to 11 draft picks. Like typically if you if you hit on like five of those nine draft picks, that's, that's a solid draft for you. Um, but I don't know. It's To me, it's like I feel we need a running – well, offensive-wise, we need a running back. That's the only thing offensive-wise I, I really think we need. And maybe like a, a center, um, a guard-center you know, combo or whatever. But defensively, that's where all the help is needed. And in order to address that part or get – get guys that you think, you know, will help either this year or next year, you have to, you know, trade back. But number four, I've already said it. I'm perfectly fine drafting Kyle Pitts because I don't think we need a quarterback. There's no reason to have a quarterback sit behind Matt for two years because Matt's not going anywhere for the next two years. Like the way they restructured his contract. Yeah, I was going to say for a couple of reasons. Yeah, the money issue that he's not going nowhere, the way they restructure it, like there's no way hell no one's trading for his contract. And Arthur Smith likes him and feels he has at minimum two more years He's with not. this, I'm telling y'all, he's not terrible. He's capable yeah. of winning games. Like y'all, O line hasn't been the best. When y'all play the Saints, they eat y'all a lot of trenches for some reason. He's never had. I don't think he's ever had a top ten offense or offensive line or defense ever. He had another weapon, you know, Kyle Pitts, man. It, I'm telling you, it get, yeah. if he lives up to the hype and what I've seen in Florida, what he did mm-hmm. against Bama, Georgia, etc. Every game he pretty much played in, exactly. Uh, it could get scary. And then yeah. Gage is he's he's okay. He's not, you know, I'm not saying he's a game breaker, but Gage is straight too. Yeah, he had him a solid yeah. year last year. Like as a third as a third receiver, like I'll take that for sure. Yeah. And we'll say. in single coverage against your fourth or because if mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts is a dominant as dominant as I think, like they're mm-hmm. gonna some teams are gonna have to put their best safeties on. Yeah, it's just a nightmare matchup because like somebody's gonna have to be one on one coverage at some point. Like you can't double Julio, double Calvin. No. Coverage, they can win every single play tonight. Yeah. I can, I would have them 10 out of 10. Like one of them's going to get to think about that out of Julio and really, uh, one of them's going to get the second. Exactly. You know, some teams, they're really good, but on most teams, they can be so exactly. Yeah, man, it could get scary. Y'all can put up points, but y'all gonna have to stop somebody and tackle. Yeah, and I don't know how, like I said, we really don't have no money to address anything else in free agency, even though there is some guys still out there, corner and safety wise. I think I saw uh, Kenny Vaccaro. The other day, I mean, it was a solid vet, but so we're still at, at some point gonna have to, you know, find younger talent to replace him. So I don't know if they don't go Kyle Pitts at number four, they got to trade back. Hopefully, and I was thinking like, but you know, looking at the teams that we can trade back for that actually need a quarterback, you know, that's dwindled down since the Sam Donald trade, and I don't think we're gonna trade in division anyway. You know, the Broncos is the only spot to where it like. It could happen in pocket. I was thinking like possibilities like, all right, can we trade back and still somehow, some way finesse Kyle Pitts? I don't think it's going to happen because, you know, it's either going to be the Dolphins or it's going to be um, the Bengals. Maybe, yeah. The Bengals or Dolphins because like one of them is going to get Jamar. If that was to happen, one's getting Jamar Chase, one's getting Kyle Pitts. It's like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think that's just going to be how it goes. And even if, like, if he's sitting there at seven for the Carolina Panthers, even though they may not, it's not a, 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 like a big desire or need they draft him as well or Detroit like one of those four is going to snatch him up if he gets past four so I feel like you know if we don't find a trade partner it's like we got to get Kyle Pitts and we'll figure out the defense maybe later if we're if we're terrible this year again we'll have a high draft pick next year and maybe be drafting a defensive you know end or corner whoever is you know tallied that high for us to get but at four I just don't think there's no defensive guy that we should be getting quarterback shouldn't even be in the question anymore you know I'd still be seeing people jersey swap you know, for Justin Fields, putting him a number one Atlanta Falcons jersey on, like that, that shouldn't be happening. I I don't know what I'd do if they draft Trey Lance at four. 
but this is this is the draft like you know some crazy stuff really really will happen man yeah that's what i'm saying it's like i feel like four is just i know we said number that it's, the draft starts at three the only reason i'm saying it it, it kind of does and obviously kind of it kind of does obviously because depending on what quarterback they draft but at the same time we know they're drafting a quarterback so it's like i feel like number four like the falcons really can just blow the whole draft up like depending on what they do like if they trade if they don't trade like it just it's just so much speculation going around what they what they could do all in all hopefully all in all i'm, I'm a fan of them getting kyle pitts because i mean more explosive offense defense can't stop nobody anyway like i said we haven't had a top 10 defense i don't know when since I don't even think they were top 10, but the best defense I remember us having was the year after we lost the Super in recent memory in 2017. So, you know, other than that, we'll just keep working with the pieces. Go ahead, draft Kyle Pitts, and we'll, we'll see what we can do. So, but if y'all get a deal, y'all can't resist. Don't. What kind of deal do you think, though? Like, I don't know. Like I said, I already seen some tour. I thought it was okay, but people are still saying it's not enough. At first, if uh, like if, you, if y'all catch a team, well, none, none of those teams behind y'all have two firsts. I would say a team, a first next year, and if they have like two seconds. I don't I don't know, but that's they probably need more people to probably say I'm crazy. Yeah. It depends. If they They've been saying like like I said, I've seen second, third, fifth this year, a first next year, and maybe a second next year as well. Like stuff like that. I'm like, I don't know if that's too much for five spots, but and then us, I don't even know if we was giving up much. Maybe like a I think it was a pick maybe this year, like the number four pick and then like a pick this year. I don't know if it was second or third round and then getting all that back. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like that's I felt like that was decent. I was like, no, nah, we're gonna have to we'd have to drop that pick or drop something. I'm like, Yeah, we'll see soon. Yeah, I said we'll see soon. He said three three weeks out. Yeah, about 17 Less than days three out. Weeks on, uh, on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. So definitely looking forward to it. But let's straddle on over to uh, you know the world of baseball. Um both of our teams actually have had controversial calls happen to them to where my team benefited, but your team lost last night because of it. Um so I mean, it, it's no, more so not so about the calls because with, with you know the Mets and the Marlins games because Conforto kind of leaned into the pitch, got hit by it. Um, the bases were loaded. I think it was two outs, or whatever the case would be. I think it was a full count as well. So if it was a strike, game was over. But he got hit, and you know the the runner was able to you know, come in and, and win the game for us. Um, like I said, being that the bases were loaded for for the uh, Phillies and Braves game last night, it was a, a I think what top of the ninth throw to the plate. Yeah um pretty much all the replays i've seen it looks like he was out but he was called safe i think they even reviewed it and still said he was safe um so obviously they won seven six because of that because they weren't able to score in the bottom of the ninth but question the question i guess i'm presenting is you know it's been controversial calls and mlb before um it's too early too early calls early in this season that were both went to replay but weren't overturned so what and a lot of people in baseball have been, you know, kind of bringing up as well. Like, what's the point of, you know, replay? And I know it's been said in other sports as well, but typically in, in basketball, even football, most times, I know it's a few times here and there, they don't get it right. But most of the times when they replay, go to replay, they get it right. I'd say the NBA is probably the best at doing that. But, you know, what do you do you think there's a point in replay in baseball if they're gonna, you know, continue to get these calls wrong? Or do you even think they're taking their time looking at the replay or it's kind of like I feel like it's still like that old mentality in baseball to where it's like they didn't even want replay in the first place. Like they want the game to kind of naturally be how it has been since the shit was created. So what what, what do you think? Is there even a point in replay and, you know, just your thoughts on them getting these calls wrong? Uh, not really. You know, there's no point in doing it if they're not going to change it because especially in the Braves-Phillies game, I didn't really watch see yours, but that was controversial as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, Alec Brom for the Phillies literally didn't touch home plate. 
<laughs> a great throw by Ozuna to uh, Darno, and you know they just. I don't know. It was kind of clear as day. Like, I don't understand. Like, you know, they made the call that he was safe. So there had to be indisputable evidence to make him be called out. And I kind of feel like there was. And the fact that they call it blows my mind. You know, tough call. I'm just glad this wasn't a playoff game. Oh, yeah. That would have been tough because y'all been having pretty tough playoff years the last few mm-hmm. years. Um, But yeah, like I say, just it's, just it's just weird. Like, well, yeah, with, with mine, like, you know, even the Mets announcers were upset that, you know, he kind of did that. They went to replay and they didn't overturn it. Um, which, you know, I guess is good to see because, you know, you don't want to just root for the home team just because, you know, it's more so of a right or wrong thing. But, you know, with, with that play last night, like I saw, like I said, every angle you can see, he didn't touch the plate. The throw pretty much beat him there. I didn't really – and as you can see, like, the, the umpire looked like he's looking dead at the plate. His foot doesn't touch it. It's not touching it. And the You have a great picture, bro. Yeah, Denard's, you know, glove is on his knee right there. So I'm not too sure why they didn't overturn it, what they saw. But I don't, I don't even like I said, I don't know if there's certain steps that they need to take in the in the you know the, the replay process because you know with basketball you know they they have guys that's um in you know New York or Bristol wherever they are kind of assessing and looking at the replays versus like with baseball I'm not too sure if it's the actual umpires that just go and look at it themselves and come up with the call or if they have you know a team um somewhere that you know assessing it looking at it and kind of giving them you know the direction of the call and if it should be overturned or not but if they don't. That's what I think they need. Like they have to probably follow the NBA's um, model of replaying it because overall, I think both of these incidents were just inexcusable. And I think you know that that uh, even though it's early on in the season, that affects you know, and even though it's early on in the season and baseball have really long seasons, you know, games still matter. Like this type of stuff still matters. Like what if the Braves lose a pennant race to the Phillies by literally one game because of this game? So just stuff like that to where it's like you know, there's. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, try to transcend and, and be, you know, make the game more modern and do things to improve it, like take it upon yourselves to improve it. Like, don't just put replay in and not, you know, be considerate, look at it, actually make the right call and, and do the necessary things in order to get the get the call right. It's just, you know, pointless. Like I say, if you're not gonna make the right call, you might as well just eliminate it from baseball. But then again, that's gonna continue to hurt the trend transgression of the sport you know the younger generation is liking it or whatever because you know everyone likes football and basketball you know baseball continue continues to hurt themselves and with this replay controversial stuff i think they're continuing to hurt themselves so hopefully they get it right sooner rather than later. and then lastly or one of the last things we kind of want to hit on today uh wnba jersey gate is what they called it you know i think three days ago maybe four days ago they released um you know their jerseys for the 25th anniversary um of the WNBA being existent so pretty much all the teams got makeovers for their jerseys um they had released two editions the rebel edition and the what's the other one called I can't even remember like rebel I think one's the rebel edition the one's the the pioneer or something edition uh excuse me WNBA fans and everybody else watching but um all I know is they released two different versions of the jerseys. Each and every jersey for every team to me is pretty fire. Like I like them all pretty much. Um, but they have three overall sets. The other ones are just their white home jerseys. Um, but what do you uh I guess think which one do you think is your, your favorite or top three? If you had to keep a top three or pick a top three um from seeing them, which, which uh top three would you go? If I had to go top three, I'm gonna keep it basics. I like I like the bait uh for New York. I like their the whatever color that is, like light blue, baby blue, like mint kinda. green, yeah. Yeah, mint green, kinda. Uh I like Phoenix and I'm gonna go with I like Chi Town. Like Chicago's. Yeah, but I like Phoenix. I like their uh I like Phoenix's orange and purple. 
Yeah, that's the only like I said this when I first saw it. I was like, Phoenix's jerseys is the only gradient ones that look good. Like, you know, my Falcons did a gradient jersey as well. And I think we wore it one time last year, but it was terrible. I was like, they I was like gradient uniform shouldn't even be a thing. But the I think for you know a women's jersey and especially that Phoenix jersey, it definitely works out for sure. So I um I definitely like that one as well. And I think I answered some question on Twitter. And I think I said Phoenix's. But I was I, I like the X Factor one because I think that's the one that was pictured. But um, I think I said theirs was definitely a top three. But after looking at them a little bit closely from when I did say that, I'm still going with Atlanta, uh, Los Angeles. You, you like though? You like do you like the red? I like ones? honestly. I like all of them. the only ones I really don't like that much is Dallas's um, green one, and I think it's based off of. Uh, unfortunately, I don't like it, but it's because I, it's just that, that that type of green. But it's actually a cool story behind it. I think it was um, you know it's based off of a fighter crew, like basically Jets or whatever. I think it was an all-female crew that worked on it, something like that. I'd have to look more into it. I remember reading on it, but I think that's the only one I don't like just because of the color. But all of them are pretty cool. Like I like the Indiana Fever. I, I kind of like the Indiana Fever Ward just because I like Stranger um, Stranger Things. I don't know if you've seen it or not. You ever catched it on Netflix before? Uh, you know, I mean, I heard about it and because it's in Gwinnett Place, but like mm. I never – Every time I started, I never finished. But I heard it's good. I, one day, I, I need to get to it. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. I like it. So that's the only reason I kind of like that. Joke. But at the same time, if I didn't know about the show and looked at it, I probably wouldn't like it that that much. But the show is pretty cool. So I was like, all right, I like that. Well, but my favorite ones are Atlanta's, Los Angeles's, and because they got like stars or whatever on the side, and then also New York's. I changed it up a little bit. Phoenix's is still cool, but I think those, those would be my top three just because I like the quality. I like how they got the Statue of Liberty. Um, her, uh, her, I can't even think of it, you know, the, thing, the little thing that holds the fire, um, in it for the eye, you know, it's just cool. But all of them are pretty cool. They all got pretty good stories on them. Probably gotta do an episode or something on them, talking about each and every details. Cause, uh, with the Atlanta ones, I don't know if you see it, but like the kind of like the side panelings, they, uh, I guess did it based off of a, um, an African American mural, um, I think based off of you know, the civil rights movement. It was like some famous picture going around the civil rights movement. I think, uh, they they did just little details based off of, of that, just to you know incorporate it into the jersey because you we everybody knows Atlanta is kind of synonymous with the civil rights movement. So I think all of them got pretty cool details and cool stories on you know why they were made and, and just the stories behind them. But I think those will be my top three for sure. Then lastly, like I said I wanted to end the show off kind of like on a fun note, um, and uh, just talk about I guess I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like two specific, um videos going around i think maybe espn or other like you know sports uh outlets posted them about these kids dunking on the mini hoops the first one was you know african-american kids i think it was two of them they was throwing alleys to each other throwing off the wall doing all this stuff in their room which you know it's pretty cool everybody was like that's the strongest mini hoop i've ever seen because they was hanging off of it like for real dunking and then the one last night i think there was a you know a caucasian kid he was doing it just everywhere though he was doing it in the hallway he was doing it in the kitchen I think he did in his room as well. He's just doing it all over the house. And I was like, I was throwing the ball off of a off the kitchen wall. I get my I get my ass beat. Like that's not even a no, question. That's not flying. I was like, he throwing all it like stomping, all that stomping and stuff. Yeah. I was like, the kitchen? I was like, why? I was like, I guess I see I saw why because the cabinet he had it hanging off of. I mean, it was pretty high, but at the same time, it's like you in the kitchen, bro. Like you can break anything. Like stuff in the kitchen be fragile. But like the other kids, they were just in their room. They knew they had to stay there. But like you said, it, it was just crazy how 
the rim didn't break. You know, it was pretty much one of these, one of the little breakaway rooms with the, the steel little metal bar or whatever under it. Um, but overall, the question I wanted to ask and kind of was going to end off with today was the craziest dunk you've ever attempted on a mini hoop or just in general. Like if you've lowered, because, you know, I've been to your house, of course. You got yeah. the goal that can lower it down. We ain't really lower it down too, too much because your dad, your pops would be pretty mad at yeah, us. Yeah, not to dunk on like stuff. Yeah, he did not want us to dunk on it. You know, we, we did it a few times, though. We lowered it down a few yeah. times when, you know, he wasn't at the crib. But, you know, just crazy dunk that you ever attempted in general, whether it be on a mini hoop or, you know, lowering your own hoop, whatever the case. On a mini hoop, uh, I tried to throw it off the wall and, like, go in between my legs real quick. Like, toss it off the wall, and then when I catch it, go in between my legs, you were three. And then on a regular goal, I don't really – the craziest. I probably – it was, like, eight or eight and a half, which shows I still have – I have no bounce. It was probably eight and a half. <laughs> It was like the reverse dunk when you kind of like cradle it, and I couldn't. You said the reverse dunk when you try to cradle it. Like, like I'm going, I'm, I'm getting a run to start of course, and I'm going under the rim reverse, and then I'm. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, it was my hang time wasn't, but you know, I could when I, uh, when we first got out of high school, like 19 to 20, I had my little phase. I could, I could dunk like if nobody was near me. I never tried it on anybody, but I could, I could two hand on regulation. No, on ten on ten feet for like a year or two, and then my, you know, getting old. I ain't see that. I gotta catch oh, that. I, I got I got a video for you. We can we can play it on the podcast too if needed. Might need to because you know I ain't gonna yeah, take yeah, your word for that. I ain't gonna take your word for that. I ain't never seen it. But yeah, that's we can. I can definitely send that you. Let me see. Me personally, I guess mini hoop. I used to feel. I used to. I used to have the mini hoops back in the day. I used to even make mini hoops. Like I don't know if you ever had to do this. I was, you know, sometimes where I came from, I'm like, damn, I really did that. Like, you ever had to make a mini hoop out of those wire hangers and then put mm-hmm. like a track, like a grocery bag on it? I used to do that shit all the time. When I did before, I like actually bought bought mine, different ones that I had that I broke. I used to always make a mini hoop out of a wire hanger and then use a trash bag. I cut it up like a net and then tape it on there. I don't, I don't know what I was doing. And I would always put it like you could put it in the door. And then close it, and it would just sit there just like a, a regular goal. I wouldn't have no backboard. The backboard would be the wall. But I yeah. had to make sure I wasn't you know, hitting the wall. I had to cash out. That's something my uh, cousins in the country would do. But, yeah. You know, uh, That's what you had to do when you, you yeah. had the money to buy no uh, mini hoop. But when I did buy the mini hoops, craziest thing I think I did was I used to try to emulate stuff off of NBA Live when it was popular, the dunks that they used to do. You know how they used to throw stuff off the Jumbotron and, like, go double between their legs and then just crazy stuff like the – what was it? They didn't do a 360. They did a 720, I think, on NBA Live. So I used to try to do stuff like that. So I think the craziest one I did was the – I tried to throw it off the wall when my mom wasn't home and try to do the double, double between the legs. And then I, like – threw the ball and it like knocked something over. I can't even remember what it was, but it knocked something over and I broke my goal. So, you know, we know how that ends. When when, when you break something in the house that you ain't supposed to be doing in the first place and oh, then yeah. also break the goal. So I'm going to leave uh, what uh, happened after that out. But on a regular goal, I'm not that big. I'm what, 5'9 on a good day. So I don't know. Y'all like the boost, y'all. I, I'll give you like the boost. Like, you know, talking to somebody like Niles or Devin, they love to say they're 5'11". I'm like... Oh, yeah, Niles. that's boost. I'm about the same height as, as Devin, though. So if Devin's 5'10", 5'11", then I'm I'm taking that up. But I'd say about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, but I would have to definitely lower it as well. But I don't know. I ain't really trying no crazy stuff on, on 
regular goals, even if I did lower it to nine feet that much, I think the craziest thing I probably tried to do, and it wasn't even crazy, I just tried to do Vince Carter, throw my arm in the room, and I think I was able to do it on an eight and a half, nine foot. I was able to not fully get it, but about right here. That's good enough for me. I think that was the craziest dunk I've tried to attempt because I already know my limitations. I ain't trying to go out there and break nothing. Uh, I did all the breaking of stuff when I was younger. Well, besides my toe in high school, which they said wasn't broken, but was broken. And also my show that. But regardless, I tried to do all my do all my crazy stuff when I was younger. When I was older, I limit myself. You know, I'm a facilitator. I'm a shooter. I do that type of stuff on the court. I don't got to go up and try to dunk on. That's why. All in all, it was pretty cool to see them kids, you know, st still continue to mini hoop tradition keep it alive doing all these dunks um so hopefully one day that that translates to them maybe making it to the league but i think that does it for today's show man i don't think we missed anything you think we missed anything uh no not this week no nah, i think we hit on pretty much everything yeah well real quick before we do get out of course i wanted to you know do one more you know service justice off the ball network um appreciate y'all for giving us a platform to you know talk put our show on if y'all haven't already Please do um, support, follow, like, subscribe to everybody's podcast over there. Read the stuff on Off the Ball Network. And also, go to manscaped.com. Um, let me get it a quick. Go to manscaped.com. And if you do, you can get 20% off and free shipping when you use code OTBN. I think this is one of the last weeks that, you know, we're having a you know, having a special. So definitely go out, support, get your um, get your Manscaped equipment, show your ball some love, and support off the ball network uh while you're doing so as well so other than that i, I think i said i think we hit on everything again rp dmx um shout out to you know legendary career being an icon and catching everybody in the different you know ways and avenues that you were able to do so that anything that you had before we head out today uh nothing much you know good show good uh good monday for me hope you had a good monday as well and uh we'll be coming to y'all with more content very very soon yes sir yes sir um Definitely probably you know, some NFL draft stuff that's coming up. Like I said, got to hit on that before. It's about, like I said, less than three weeks away. WNBA. Um, in here. Time's coming. There's a lot of stuff, yeah. NBA playoffs in about a month and a half, too. Yep. So. NBA playoffs coming coming soon. Um, Probably definitely get a lot more NBA analysts on to talk. Hopefully got got some guests probably that's in the works yeah. that's coming up as well. Um, Maybe even do a WNBA uh, show. I think they got a draft on Thursday, so might try to squeeze that in before – they start drafting on Thursday. Like I said, NFL drafts coming up very, very soon. We will have a new podcast logo and podcast intro, if not by the end of this week. Definitely for the ready for the next show that we do. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of exciting things coming for us uh on the podcast and for us as a network as well. But as always, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at WTGMTM Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, and what the game means to me as well. Um and I think that does it for today's episode. Everybody have a great day. Stay safe. Enjoy yourselves. I know it's getting hot outside. Still be responsible. I know everybody's starting to get little COVID shots and everything. Still wear your mask. Still do, you know, the proper things necessary in order for us to all to be safe and uh, get back to normal. I'm Jelani Brown. That's Thad Bell. This is what the game means to me. And we're out. We'll see y'all next time. Catch y'all later.